Outdoors podcast. This is Jonathan, your host. And here at Redbeard Outdoors, we talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. And today is the Saturday sit-down edition where I've got an awesome guest to share with you guys. Her name is Steph, and she is an archer out of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, She travels around with her students, competes in tournaments, and uh, helps make sure that everyone's enjoying this sport of archery that she so loves. So uh, before we get into that conversation, just want to shout out to the show sponsors and partners. Of course, First Form and First Form Outdoors. If you're in the market for the best supplements, then I would definitely recommend you go to First Form. Go use the link down below and get free shipping on your protein powder, your multivitamin, your fish oil, your greens, uh, whatever it may be. If you got questions about it, shoot me a message or send me an email. I'd be more than happy to answer your questions about First Form. But go check out First Form if you're in the market to fill those gaps in your diet. Also, Affect Beard Oil. Affect Beard Oil is local here and helps me not have an itchy beard and makes it look better, uh, keeps it healthy, and just great product from a local company. So go check out Affect Beard Oil. Again, guys, all the links and uh, everything is down below so you don't have to memorize them. Just go click the link and save some money if you're in the market for any of these products. Also, alpenfuel.com have the best hands-down granola on the market by far. Gluten-free, best tasting. My favorite is the white chocolate cranberry, which is their new flavor. Uh, They also have the chocolate strawberry and the caramel apple. Those are my top three. Uh, On top of that, if you're looking for some meals other than granola, they sell Heather's Choice and Peak Refuel as well. So go check out alpenfuel.com, save some money, and save your gut in the backcountry, guys. Um, Also, Kafaru, uh, go get yourself the best backpack on the market. Hands down, bar none, best backpack. Start off with that duplex light frame, and then you can pick of the thousand combinations that they have in there. If you have any questions, again, you can reach out to me or call their customer service line. They have an amazing customer service line that will ask you the right questions to make sure you get the right equipment for what you need. So go to kafaro.net, tell them Redbeard sent you, and uh, get the best backpack on the market. Other than that, guys, um, go check out the links down below. Started working with Black Ovis as well. Amazing company. Uh, provides great gear from glassing to boots. Amazing discounts, broadheads, archery stuff, rifle stuff. Just go check out blackovis.com. Use the link down below. Save some money as well. Now that we've shouted out our sponsors that are keeping us going, thank you guys so much for leaving reviews, sharing the podcast with other people. You have so many other podcasts you can choose from, and yet you're listening to mine repeatedly, and it's growing, and I definitely appreciate it. So continue doing that. Leave a review uh, wherever you may listen and follow so that you can get notified of any of the upcoming podcasts as they release every couple of days. So without further ado, here is the Archer, Steph. All right, I've got an awesome guest here, Steph, who is the Western Regional Coordinator for NASP, NASP, and she'll explain what that is because she knows a lot better <laughs> than I do. <laughs> I just found this all out before uh, before we were talking here. But Steph, give us a little bit of background, who you are, um, what you love to do, and uh, and then you know what, what you do for a career. 
All right. So um, my name's Stephanie. I go by Steph. I'm on Instagram. I'm the archer Steph. I started shooting when I was 12 years old. Uh, my dad was a rifle hunter and getting into bow hunting was my way of, I didn't want to shoot guns. So it was my alternative so that I could go hunting with him. And well, after that, once I got um, started, we tried to start a school program and my, which actually NASP, which is funny. I work for them now. I'll get to that later, but my school had all the equipment, they had the program, but they just weren't interested in actually doing it. So I went and got my USA certification to become an instructor um, at 16. And with that, my local bow shop was like, well, hey, can you come work for, for us and come do lessons on the weekends? I was like, absolutely. So that was kind of my introduction into everything archery. I was an instructor, I was a bow tech, I was in sales. Um, I just got to learn all the different aspects of it. And then I went off to college and I didn't do anything with it for like four years. Well, two and a half. I was only gone for two and a half. But um, I came back. I was laying in bed one day and I got on Facebook and a friend had, well, actually Paige Pierce had shared a job opening down in Oregon for the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife for their archery education coordinator. And I had gone to school and gotten, gotten a management degree. So I was like, okay, well, I've got the management degree. I've got the archery experience. I could do it. I could run the state archery program. So I applied didn't hear back, didn't hear back, didn't hear back. And all of a sudden they're like, did you not get our email? Like you were supposed to call us back for an interview. And I was like, wait, what? Um, so I moved down to Oregon and lived in Salem for a couple of years and was able to do that. I managed a couple of different youth and adult programs. I was able to build curriculum for different archery classes for adults. Um, so we did bow fishing, archery 101 kind of stuff. It was a lot of fun. But once COVID hit, I was like, man, I just really want to move home to Washington. And that's how I came back here to work with NASP. And NASP is the National Archery in the Schools Program. We take kids in school, fourth through 12th grade, and we train their school teachers to run archery as part of their in-school curriculum. So usually it's done in PE. Um, sometimes it's done in science or history or, you know, fourth or fourth, fifth or sixth grade might just run it in their, their classroom. Um, but it's awesome. It does a lot of good things for students. I know I, one time a guy was like, what happened to the quiet, shy girl you used to be? And I was like, archery, a hundred percent archery changed my life and gave me the confidence for who I am today. Um, so that's what I've do been doing for the last two years of COVID. I just work from home. I get to travel a lot. Um, and I get to train school teachers, how to train their teach or train their students to be, uh, train their students in archery. So, yeah. That's awesome. I won't lie. My physics class was fun, <clears throat> but it'd be a lot more fun if I had gotten to shoot a bow. <laughs> right. And if they started teaching about angles and trajectory and ever, mm -hmm. all that, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Uh, so it sounds like you, you had a little bit of an experience with the spam folder, uh, with the email that you were supposed to get. Um, I had one of those recently, <laughs> but is that what happened? It, it, had, it had gone to the spam folder for you and you didn't get the interview. Um, no, I had put the wrong, I had missed a letter in my email. We'll, we'll say I it was a spam folder's it. fault. We'll Absolutely. It was the spam folder. <laughs> That's awesome though. That's pretty cool. Um, and you know, I, I would have never known that there's a, an, you know, an archery program like NASP, um, I might actually have to look at getting my kids into that, uh, especially if it's local here in Salt Lake. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. So uh, you obviously love archery. Um, I yeah. think it's funny that you were kind of rebellious. Your way of being rebellious was not shooting guns, but shooting a bow instead. 
um, because you still wanted to go hunting. So, uh, I mean, did you have anyone else in your family? Are you a first generation bow hunter, um, an archer, or was there someone else in your family that kind of got you started on that? No. So it was just my dad kept, you know, I'd go hunting with him and he'd take his rifle or his shotgun, whatever we were doing. And I got to 11 or 12 or whenever you can take Hunter Ed. And he's like, okay, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't want to shoot a gun. I'll shoot a bow. And he was like, okay, well, I guess I need to go learn to shoot a bow now. So we do it together. Um, He's actually, uh, he owns an outfitting business down in Colorado now. Mm. And so it's just gone full circle. We get to hunt together every year. Um, We've gone out of state a few times. It's, it's been really fun with him. That's pretty awesome. That's cool. And it's cool that, you know, that he didn't tell you no, right. That he didn't force you into what he wanted to do. He didn't mm-hmm. say you had to use a boomstick, right? He was like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's key. It's funny. Cause I, I get to have a lot of awesome conversations and, and, uh, you know, with people like yourself and, uh, and it's cool to hear the people that are really into, you know, passionate outdoors things, uh, the influence that a parent can have just on that little moment right there. And I, and I want to highlight that for the listeners because I, I'm huge on families and I've got plenty of children of my own, probably enough to, you know, make an army, but, um, <laughs> it's so key that when your child daughter or son comes to you and shows interest, but maybe it's a little bit different than you to do exactly what your dad said, where he was like, well, instead of saying, well, no, you have to do it my way. He was like, well, I'm going to go learn how to shoot a bow with you. And that's, that was probably so pivotal. Cause if he hadn't done that, you probably wouldn't be where you are right now. And we probably definitely wouldn't be talking. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because now, now I do go rifle hunting. My last two years of elk hunting have been with rifle. I haven't gotten anything yet, but, um, so yeah, even though it wasn't something I was into when I was younger, it, it's come full circle again. Um, but that's something I'd also like to touch on about, you know, encourage your kids for what they want to do but also don't push them too hard because I see so many kids as an instructor who lose interest in this sport just because their parents like, Hey, you need to go shoot. If you don't shoot, I'm going to sell your bow. I absolutely hate hearing that. That is the worst thing. I'm like, no, you made this investment for your kid to have a bow. A bow is something that can be a lifelong sport just because they don't want to shoot it right now. I don't, I can't tell you how many kids I've seen where they don't shoot it for a year. And then all of a sudden they just go pick it up and they're shooting in the backyard every day just, just let it come to them naturally. I agree with that. It's, you know, and, and as I've gotten older, uh, in my whole 29 years of existence, and I'm holding strong to that 29, by the time this one comes out, I'll be 30 and, and sad and depressed, but no, happy birthday almost. (laughs) No, but, uh, but you know, it's a joke. I'm 29 holding, but the, the fact that, you know, that you bring that up and I I really want to highlight that just because it is so important to not push your kids. And now I, I coach my son's baseball, soccer. Uh, if I could coach dance, I'd coach dance for my daughter. Um, you know, but, but coaching, I see that all the time too. I don't necessarily hear him say, you know, I'm going to sell your bat, but making the kids like pushing them harder than what they need. Like there's, there's a level of push and I'm very competitive. Right. And I don't do the participation trophies and all that stuff, but at the same time, every child is individual. And I love highlighting the things that, that kids do right and making sure that they're able to focus on that rather than just what are they doing wrong? And, and that negative feedback loop that kids get in because their parents, now it could be a, a plethora of, of reasons. Some parents maybe went into debt for that bow and now they feel, they feel pressure because now their kid's not, you know, taking that seriously. And there's all this disconnect going on about 
threatening to sell the bow. Like that sounds, that sounds, that hurts me to hear. And, and, you know, I can only imagine the kid, like they don't need that pressure, right? If you want your kid to get into something, whether it be like cello or sports or, you know, archery is a sport or whatever it may be. Are your kids in the cello? Yeah. I've got a son that's in cello. I had, okay. You know, I, I was like, that was a really random instrument, but very specific. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, my kids have played uh, the older kids played the flute. Um, they, there was a couple other wind instruments that we dropped some good money on, but when they stopped playing it, I wasn't like, no, you have to go back and play it. I was like, okay, that kind of sucks. But <laughs> like, I didn't say that to them. I was like, it kind of sucks, but you know, what are you into now? And let's encourage that. And so I, I love that just kind of circling back around to archery. Um, my daughter, who's five, uh, she saw me out in the backyard shooting with our 15 year old and our seven year old. And she comes up and she's like, dad, can I try Asher's bow? And I was like, sure. And so she put one in and, you know, she did okay. And then I, I told her if she did it two days in a row, we'd go and, and pick her up with one of those little bear apprentices. And, um, and she was so happy. And anytime she sees me in the backyard now, she's like, can I go shoot too? And it, so it's just those little moments, right. That you got to capitalize on. And I'm sure you see that so much as a coach, you know, when the spark just kind of hits and, and you want to encourage that. Well, my whole reason for being a NASP trainer is, well, even just a coach in general, but it's that smile when someone hits their first bullseye and you're sitting mm -hmm. there with them and their whole face just lights up. It's like, that's, that's what I do this for just giving them something that they can easily find success with and then build their confidence as they start getting better and better and their groups get smaller. Oh, that's the best feeling in the world as a coach. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're around teachers all day, teaching teachers. Um, how, how is that going? How, how does that go? You know, cause teachers like to teach. They don't necessarily like to be taught. <laughs> Yeah, they're not great at being students. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's been interesting. You definitely have to find a way to connect with them and let them know that you're in charge. Um, but usually they're just so excited because most of them either shot in school when they were a kid or they've never picked up a bow before. We have maybe one in 10 in my classes have actual bow hunter, bow hunter or archery experience. So they're all brand new to it. And the way it's structured, it takes them right along the pathway. And they say it's one of the best um developing education experiences that they've taken continuing education ctes whatever they're called yeah no i hear you that's awesome it can that count towards their continuing education in some oh, states man. it can <laughs> that is so cool that's awesome uh so so sweet so you're up in you said oregon right or i'm in washington, washington now washington mm -hmm. you were in oregon to for your training and and, and that specific and i job. went to school in montana so i've been all over the pacific northwest wow. That's, so that's one state I haven't been to. And I almost, I was really close to signing up for big sky, but um, it didn't quite work out. I was going to go and shoot tack there. I've heard it's amazing. Uh, but anyway, that that's really cool. Now you, you hunt with your dad. Um, your dad's an outfitter in Colorado. Um, that's gotta be a cool hookup because I know Colorado is pretty slammed with out of staters. Um, but you've got, you've got a pretty cool hookup there. What, what's your favorite, I guess your favorite animal to hunt. Well, the animal I've probably spent the most time hunting is probably elk. And just some of those experiences have been pretty crazy. Um, the animal that I enjoy and also scares me to death the most to see in the wild is probably the moose. Um, we run into those in Colorado all the time now. And you just walk out on it, especially with the babies. And I'm like, <gasps> and my dad's like, nope, just keep going. And I'm like, no, I just want to go. Like, <laughs> I want to go the long <laughs> way around. 
Um, but they're just so majestic in the way they move. Um, I, I will probably never have enough lifetime points to hunt them anywhere, but that would be a dream. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. My, my, um, my buddy got a cow this last, was it the fall? And, uh, and they're so big. They're you so know, big. They're just huge. And, uh, and it was interesting cause he got a video of, um, it was almost like the bull was protecting his cows from my, my buddy. He got within 25 yards with a bow and didn't have a shot because he had a, he had a cow tag. He didn't have a bull tag and the bull was like totally shielding his cows. Like it was crazy to, to watch the video. And he even like bluff charged him once. And he was like, Nope, I'm going for a rifle next one. <laughs> they're big and scary. Yeah, well, yeah, my big. most interesting um, moose experience was we actually got to see some porn out in the meadow one time. Um, the male was going after the female and the baby mm -hmm. was running circles around them. So that was, yeah. they make some crazy noises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And hearing them call and, oh my goodness, it's, it's a crazy moose are crazy, crazy animals. Uh, but that's cool. That you get to hunt a lot of elk. Do you ever go for a blacktail? We do have blacktail up here. I've shot, um, locally, I live on an Island. Um, and so I've been able to get some access to property out here. And so I've shot one out of a tree stand and then one just happened to be under my tree stand the next year when I went in. So they're an entirely different breed though, with the way, you know, white tails are crazy because they run fast and, mm -hmm. you know, go for the hills. Black tail, they're just, they're there and then they're gone. They're, yeah. they play a good disappearing act. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one animal I haven't, I haven't had the chance to encounter in the wild and uh, hopefully one day I'll, I'll get up there and, and go after some black tail, but that that's really cool. Um, so I guess going back to, to coaching archery. So what, why do you stick with, you said the smile obviously. Um, but, but for you personally, if you have, you mm -hmm. know, those rough days where the kids maybe aren't doing so hot or the teachers, uh, or maybe kind of being buttheads to you, uh, you won't say that, but I'll say it. And, uh, <laughs> and you just kind of, it was just a rough day. Like what keeps you in the, the coaching game, uh, and, and your head strong and wanting to keep this, pursue this passion and career that you have? You know, that's a really good question. And the other day I was actually trying to figure out how to put into words in a blog post or an Instagram post or something, um, for this exact reason. But so the way my classes, my camps are set up, which is separate from what I do for NASP, I do um, inst private instruction on my own. Um, they sign up for one month at a time and it's either a Monday or a Wednesday and they come every week for a month. And then if they want to come back next month, they sign up again. And I will get kids who I think, you know, they, they just give me the hard time, middle school boys, middle school girls. They're just going through that. You know, it's just a rough age and props to the <laughs> teachers that have to deal with them every day. But I think, okay, they're coming for a month they're not coming back. Like there's no way with how tough of a time they're giving me and they just don't want to be here. Some of my best students and they, they keep coming back and they've been coming to me for like six months, seven months now. And I'm just like, Holy crap. What a change from like the first time we met. And so now we have like a mutual respect and it's, there's so many kids that for our tree, they need our tree. And I'm giving them this thing that they can hold on to in life that I, I don't want to like, I'm sure this can be said for a lot of sports, but archery is just something for the kids that don't connect with a lot of other things. So they don't run, they don't throw a ball, they can't kick a ball. Um, maybe they're artistic, maybe they're a geek, maybe they're just the weird kid in school and they connect with archery. And so that's why I do it because I'm just really, I just like connecting with those people and giving them an, an extra chance to find something they can be good at. 
It's awesome. So you would say, you know, the, the kids are definitely your passion of, of just seeing that change and that progress. It's, it, it takes a special person to be honest with you, to be a coach and stick with it. You know, like some people can coach for a season or, you know, do things here and there. And that takes some talent and, and some skill, but uh, to stick with it the way that you, and you've made a career and you, I mean, outside of coaching and, and managing uh, in the, in NASP, I don't see like, that's not one of those careers that you can branch out and like kind of laterally move across to other careers. So you've kind of, you, you, you know, this is something that you want to do for the long haul. And, and that definitely takes a special person to be able to take those bad days or the kids that are being jerks and, and to look at them and, and just help them, you know, progress through their journey. Um, that that's awesome to hear. Uh, and for you personally, do you compete? I mean, I know you don't have a lot of time to, but do you compete? Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of my weekends are actually. So last weekend I competed in the state safari. And if we want to start talking about mental stuff, that might be a good segue because my Saturday, I, I felt like I was shooting the best I've ever shot. And Sunday, my score probably dropped in half and I couldn't tell you what it was. And I felt like I was still mentally strong there nothing was wrong with my bow and it was just something happened. Pressure was on. And I went from two points behind the girl who was in first place to, I dropped all the way to third place and a couple hundred points under him. Wow. That's crazy. That's yeah. And and that's the thing too. So, you know, I, I joke about golf being a super boring sport and something I'll never get into because, you know, when I get old, I'm going to be doing archery and, and long range shooting. Right. And, uh, and speaking of shooting, if you haven't shot with a suppressor, you definitely should, you should test it out because it's, okay. uh, it's, it's not as therapeutic as bow hunting, but it's definitely, it, it's up there. It, it's close to it. Um, uh, or sorry, with archery, but as far as, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Archery is hard when you compete because you know, it's just you against you. No, like there's no team involved. Uh, this is, you have to make that shot every single time. And I don't know if you listen to uh, Joel Turner much. I'm sure you've heard of Joel Turner. Uh, with so shot Joel's IQ. actually from Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. So funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's at a lot of the local shoots with his son, Bodie. Oh, that's all. Well, Bodie. Oh my goodness. That's, I mean, that's crazy in and of itself that he won the worlds, you know, and, and uh, at what 15, was he 15? 15 and he walked, walked away with over $75,000 from Vegas. Goodness. And yeah, just to stand up there with some of the greatest shooters that have ever been up there. And I can't imagine my 15 year old doing that. Um, But that's, you know, that's that's something to say about archery though, is how welcoming, you know, all of those guys. And I don't really want to guess their ages, but 30 to 50, maybe Mm -hmm. 60 year olds that are down there. And like, I I was sitting there because we were there to cheer for Bodie and, Mm you're sitting there watching them and they'll walk up behind them, pat them on the back and they're just yeah. having a conversation with them. And that's, what's awesome about archery is everyone can do it. No matter what your shape, if you're in a wheelchair, if you don't have arms, they figure out a way to let you do it. And everyone's so welcoming. And you know, that it's probably the only sport that you're competing against each other, but they might be your best friends too. Yeah. And, and the thing is too, like, it's not the other person's fault. Like you can't blame anything on the other person, anything, unless they were scummy and kicked you while you're in the middle of your shot or something, but you know, you get disqualified (laughs) for stuff like that. So like, 
in all reality, when you're competing against somebody, you don't, it, it's not something that you can get upset about towards anyone else. I mean, it's just you, when you mess up, you mess up. When you shoot really good, you shoot really good. And yes, there's the preparation, everything that goes into it. But I, I love that you point out too the, the um, camaraderie and the, you know, the, the good, good job kind of stuff that they, they say to each other, because they know that if they lost, it's their own fault. Like it's not anyone else's. And so you can't get upset with the competition. You can only cheer them on and, and congratulate them. Uh, so I, I do think that that's awesome. I didn't watch um, that shoot, but getting to talk to Joel while he was here uh, for elk shape camp, it was really awesome to hear. And he just beams when he talks about Bodie, like it's a, it's what I imagine. I mean, it's probably more so he's his, his, his son, but how you feel when you, when you have a, you know, a, a, a client or a kid that you're coaching that is doing really well, you know um, it's, it's just something that it, it's almost magical. I mean, you can't really put words to it. it just puts a smile on your face. I had a dad send me a picture of his daughter's first Turkey yesterday and it was with a shotgun, but she's been coming to me for a couple months now. And I, I was just sitting there at this table and all of a sudden I've got this picture in my hand and my face lit up and I showed everyone around that table. I was so excited for her. So absolutely. And I, one scene you need to go rewatch is um, when B Bodie shot his final shot, mm -hmm. Joel Turner ran out onto that, that range and he just mm -hmm. wrapped him in the biggest bear hug ever. And it brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. It was just, you could feel it. Everyone felt it up in the stands. Yeah. He's a hardened guy. He's not, you know, and for people that don't know Joel, he's, you know, he's SWAT. Uh, he just barely retired from SWAT and he's going full-time into his shot IQ program, but uh, he's not, you know, just the easy going guy. Like he's very serious dude and very, uh, you know, I don't even know how else to put it. He's just very serious. He's not mean. Some people he might call him a jerk, but well, he starts off his class by saying, my goal here is to make you hate me. Yeah. So, oh yeah. The F.U. Turner factor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, -huh. uh, but yeah, so that, that's awesome. So you, you know, him, you know, him pretty well, that's good. Um, so let's talk about the, maybe the mental side of archery a little bit, uh, since we brought okay. that up. Um, what are some things that you do to blueprint shots for kids? Uh, you know, I've, again, I've been through Joel's stuff, but I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, where you're at and, and how you think about blueprinting a shot to make sure it's as consistent as possible, controlling what you can control. Cause obviously you can't control wind, you can't control rain, all the other crap that goes into it when you shoot outside. Um, but controlling what you can control, how do you blueprint that? So most of my stuff is actually indoors, especially with NAST that's entirely indoors for the most part. And then my camps, either it's been too cold or too hot and we haven't been able to go outside very much. Um, but the one thing we really focus on is walk yourself through your, your shot. And that's something that Joel will talk about too. Um, I'm a huge proponent of say it out loud to yourself as you go through everything, just to make sure you do it the same way every time. Um, I'll even go as far as to say, like, don't talk to your parents while you're shooting. If you're in a competition, they're not here. It's you, it's your target. It's me. Ignore everything else. And you just go and you do the same thing over and over again. If something goes wrong, pay attention to what felt wrong, but some of the best advice I met Paige Pierce when I was 16. And of course, you know, proud dad behind me was like, Hey, what, what do you have to tell the young kids here? And her advice was that that last arrow is gone. You just got to worry about the next one. And that's something that I've carried with me forever. And so my biggest thing is you, you got to have a good time. You can't stress about your, your last arrow. You can only worry about your next one. And if you are worried about your last one, 
your your mental capacity to shoot a good arrow is gone and you're already screwed. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too that I mean it, it applies to life as well. Um, you know, just my son tonight when we we're playing baseball, I had the, we had the same concept where uh, you know, he messed up on a play. He's seven, you know, but he he's he got his competitiveness for me. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately. And so, you know, I, I saw him throw his glove on the, on the, you know, on the ground and he got upset and, you know, the next batter's already up and ready to go and he plays third base. And so I was like, I just walked over to him like, Hey, it's okay. Next play is better, right? The next play is the better play. And so it's the same, like what you're saying with archery, uh, you let an arrow go and yeah, you, maybe you messed up, but uh, so what, you know, you can't take it back. You can't reverse time. Uh, you just need to focus on that next shot and not, not messing up that next shot. Mm -hmm. And so what are some things, I mean, do you have, what, what's the, the process that you personally walk through yourself every shot, uh, to make sure that you, you, you know, you're focused on it. So um, I won't go through all the steps, but there's a couple key things that have become so habitual. Um, you know, like the way that I'll shuffle my feet before just to make sure I'm sturdy or. I shoot a back a hinge. And so I always go click, click just to make sure my hooks in place because I've had my hook be slightly off and an arrow goes flying before. And so for the past couple of years, that's just been, that's been something every time it's just click, click. Okay. Now I'm ready. And I'm set. Um, when I get back to full draw, I go like this. I feel my, my knuckle on my jaw, get my string on my nose. And then I pop my shoulder back just a little bit, just to make sure my shoulders in the same spot every time. And so that's something I can physically feel as I start my back tension process. Um, yeah. So just little things like that, that you can pick apart and feel, feel as you're going through it. And it's really important. Like I was saying, feel it. Your anchor should be something that you feel it, it, Don't let that string float in front of your nose. Um, make sure you have a spot that it's going to come back to every time. And, uh, not you, I think it was USA or world archery did a video last year for the Olympics where they showed if you put your string here for most of your shots, and then a couple of times you put it here, how far off on the target that actually moves you. And it's amazing that it can move you so much. And it's just such a little distance. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's just the little things, not necessarily like, okay, knock the arrow. Okay. Clip on the release. Those I can do more just their habit now, but then there's other little things that I have to do every time or else I just feel like I'm out of rhythm. Yeah, I agree with that too. It's, and you know, you've been shooting for so long, you know, it's habit, but at the same time, uh, in a 3d shoot that we were doing this weekend, um, it was kind of early, but you know, my buddy was up and he's been shooting bows a lot longer than I have. And, uh, and he goes to, to, to pull back and I'm like, Oh, hold up. There's not an arrow. And like, cause we had been having, you know, we just chatting BSing the whole way up to the first target. And, uh, and he was like, man, I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> it would have been yeah. a bad day. It would have ruined the whole day. Exactly. And so that, that's why like for me, cause I've almost had a couple of those experiences too, um, being new to archery and just kind of being caught up in the moment. And so now mm -hmm. I literally have to, you know, I'm like, okay, knock the arrow, the arrows on check the site. Cause that's another one too, guys, if you have a moving site, <laughs> uh, I've had a buddy. So at the guy's barn that I get to shoot at um his brother 
and I don't, I hope he listens to this, but if he does, uh, I'm sorry, Kenny, I'm gonna call you out here. <laughs> uh, he put a couple arrows through, um, through the barn wall because we were shooting out at 60 and then we walk into 20, you know, and he forgot to adjust his sight and just boom, just right through the barn wall. So, uh, that's definitely something too, that's super key to, to check. Um, that never happens in, in your camps though. I'm sure. Right. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry being sarcastic here. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, it, it's something that, that a lot of people definitely overlook, you know, that whole, the whole process, even before drawing back. But then I love what you're saying. When you draw back, you make sure that the strings in the same spot. Uh, do you use a nose button at all? No, but I have tied it on a lot of kids bows recently. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't use the actual nose buttons. I just tie a really big knot on there. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So that, and that's a, that's another good thing too, that, you know, I, I, I use the nose button just because, um, you know, the kisser button can cause a little too much pressure. Um, from what I've seen, some people like jam it into their lip, uh, or mm -hmm. almost are eating the string, you know, as they put it up. Um, and then that nose button super spiky. So I know for me, it like, it lets me know I'm there, but it doesn't let me put any pressure on the string because, you know, to, to cause issues with the shot. Cause it'll just hurt if I do that. So, um, but it, it is super key. However you do it. Like, I love the idea of tying knots. That's another really good idea. Um, do you just use like the knock string? A uh, serving to, thread. Serving thread. Yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't know all the terminology, but, <laughs> but that's, that's a really good idea. Um, and I hadn't even thought of that before. So having something though, that can indicate to you, uh, exactly where your nose needs to go every time. Cause you're right. It does change so many things. Um, and just from that alone, and then you shoot a hinge. Uh, did you start with a hinge? Did you graduate to a hinge? Tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. Oh, uh, so no, I shot an index release for the longest time until I started punching it unconditionally. Um, and even Joel Turner hasn't been able to get me to stop yet. So I'm one of his failures. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. And I won't even say that I'm one of the people, cause people will say, you know, I punch it consistently. And so I'm a good shot with punching it. No, you're not. Something can happen. There's a flinch when you go to punch it. Um, so I won't even, I won't even say I'm a good puncher. Um, so I will shoot my index usually for hunting season though. And I just shoot my hinge all year long, make sure I'm sighted in with my finger. And then as I, as long as I, I figured out, as long as I don't shoot it too much, I can mentally get my finger out there, but it's when I start shooting it over and over again that's when I get in my head and I can't do it anymore. So I just verify my sights on and then I'm ready for outdoor season. And then I go back to my hinge until I'm ready to shoot something. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit too. Cause I, I'm a, I'm a gear nerd. And so I, I went through the whole, you know, I started with an index shot that for probably I would say three to four months. And then I was hearing all about these thumb releases. I'm like, man, they're so expensive. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but then I ended up going to a thumb release in a, in a back tension um, the Carter evolution, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, the back tension that basically lines up with my thumb release. I can't trust myself with a hinge. Uh, I've tried it on a couple, I tried it on a Genesis bow actually with a target five feet in front of me. So I didn't like drive, you know, like hit it into the wall or anything. And I just couldn't, I, it just, there's a mental block for me. Um, so, so why did you choose hinge? And I, I've honestly, I've never heard anyone say that they go from hinge to index it's usually hinged to thumb release during the hunting season so why i guess first of all why finger release or index release um when you shoot hinge all year instead of a thumb for you 
Um, just a personal preference. I think I went, I've tried a few thumb releases and I just had my index release still. And so I didn't want to drop a lot more money on buying another, um, you know, $200 release. Um, well, my, more like four, if you're not wanting to lose it on the mountains, right. You have a backup. So you double that price. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, which it, it is nice when you shoot an index release to have that wrist strap on, it's just connected to you. It's harder to lose. Um, and I, ha- I feel like I have better control over my pointer finger than my thumb. I've tried shooting a thumb a couple of times and it just doesn't like, I haven't spent enough time doing it to feel comfortable with it. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I saw a couple of people almost punch themselves in the face at the 3d shoot. So that, that can happen too. Um, but that that's cool. Uh, you know, and it's not bad. There's not really a right or wrong. And I'm sure that, you know, you would say the same unless correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but there's not really a right or wrong release. It's just a matter of how you manipulate the release. Cause some people mm-hmm. hunt with hinges. I don't, I definitely don't understand how people can do that. Um, you need a very still animal if you're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's an intense situation there. I know there's, you know, there's a couple of big names out there that do that, but um, again, I can't even, I can't even function a hinge on a normal 20 yard range, let alone out in the woods after I'm, you know, I've been chasing an animal and I'm shaking my, my guts out. Uh, so that that's, it's an interesting idea to me, but where do you generally guide people? Do you, do you guide them at all to what release, or do you kind of walk them through all kind of the three options, three to four options and let them choose? Where do you go with that? So in the bow shop, when I was working there, we usually guided them just to an index release to get started off with one for price point two. It's the easiest for someone to learn on and least mm-hmm. likely to mess up right away. Um, the, the thumb people just want to draw it back with their thumb on the trigger and they'll end up punching themselves. The hinge, they won't give enough finger pressure. So then they end up punching themselves. Um, the index, it's easy to just tell them to keep your finger back behind. And then mm-hmm. 75% of people can shoot an index release just fine. They don't mm-hmm. have any problems with it. It's the other 25% of us. And I have no idea about those actual percentages, but um, these are Steph's percentages but, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but in competitions, you'll see a lot more hinge releases out there just um, for consistency of, of pull. Um, there's a lot more movement, especially if you have a dual hook. Um, that's two things opening versus a single one. That's um, my index that I shoot is a flat bar and then one single hook, hook that opens. So it's still closed all the way around it. I don't know if any of that made sense or like people that weren't watching my hands are going to know what yeah. I'm talking about, but. Yeah. So there's, yeah. So there's the different releases with an index, uh, especially you can have the one that's got, it looks like a jaw where both sides open or close. Um, those kind of freak me out. I won't, I won't lie. Um, Cause I feel like the tension of the string is going to pull them open. So I'd never <laughs> shot one of those. The one I had was actually an open, an open hook. Um, I want to say it was the true ball beast or something like that. Uh, but it was an open hook that just released the hook release when it, you know, you hit the trigger, but yeah, so there's the open hook ones. There's the, the dual jaws. And then there's the ones that have that hard wall with the single jaw that opens and closes. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's what I currently shoot as well with the, the Carter wise choice. Um, is it, it's just the one thing that closes. So, you know, there's tons of releases out there. Um, if you're just getting into archery, I, I definitely recommend that you go to a good pro shop. Don't go to Cabela's 
sorry, Cabela's, but go to a local pro shop that someone can take the time and walk you through. And they generally have some, and I'm sure you guys had them at your shop as well, but um, some used uh, releases that you can use and, and see which ones you like best before you make that purchase. Cause it is an investment. It, it does take some, some money to get a release. Well, and most shops will let you pull it out of the package too. What you run into is if you do want to buy a back tension or, or I guess we call them hinges. Now I keep wanting, there's a difference between a back tension and a hinge um, or a thumb. Yeah. They don't always carry a lot of those on the shelf. So you have to special order one. So you don't always get to try it before you buy it. But if you see someone on the range who has one more there, they'll probably let you try it. Um, so I'm literally the other day, a guy had a bow that I wanted to try and I was like, Hey, can I shoot it? And he's like, yeah. Um, now not everyone's going to do that. And a lot of times mm. I wouldn't let, I would say like, don't let your buddy shoot your bow. Um, <laughs> but that goes for the people that aren't in archery. Like we have a pretty good pe- group of people that know what they're doing and we do test out each other's equipment. Um, and that's a really good way to see what you like and what you don't like, because since we're talking about releases, I enjoy a heavy release in my hand mm-hmm. and all of the guys I shoot with, they enjoy a really light release in their hand. So I, I got to try that out and figure out exactly what I didn't like. Yeah. When it goes off on you, are like, Oh, I wasn't ready yet. <laughs> no, I just mean the actual weight of the oh weight of the release. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So like, and it's funny cause I have one right here cause I play with it while I'm working, but um, like I love the weight of these, the, the carters, just the heavy metal. I don't like the grippiness. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had a true ball um, and it was kind of grippy. It was a little bit lighter. And then I picked up one of these carters and I just like that feel of the cold, hard metal um, just in my hands when I'm, when I'm shooting, I like that. It just feels more solid to me. Um, so that's interesting. I, I'd never even thought about the weight of the releases till now so oh yeah oh yeah. it makes a big difference um you grab one of those um like the ghost the uv3 or whatever crispy's releases are mm-hmm. ultra no ultra views the site but those well, they're they so ultra light view. yeah the, the ultra, ultra view hinge the hinge one and hinge two mm-hmm. um but it just i feel like i'm gonna break it in half almost when i pull mm-hmm. back on it i, yeah, I definitely more. don't shoot a high enough weight to do that but um I just like having a little bit heavier of something in my hand that I actually feel like I have um, something to hold on to when I'm at full draw. Yeah. And what's the, so you shoot a hinge or a back tension? I shoot a hinge. Okay. And what's the hinge? So like your, your evolution is a back tension. Yeah. Yep. And so I shoot a tangent right now um, by V3. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I have heard of that. So it's their new one that came out last year, I want to say. Um, and so at Vegas, which going to a lot of these big shoots is also great because all of the companies are vendors there. So what your bow shop may not have on the shelf, they'll usually have for you to try out. Um, so I went down there. I don't want to say just to go buy something, but I went down there to buy something. (laughs) Um, I kept that in mind when I was looking around and I was like, okay, I know I need a new release because the one that I had a sear before by true True fire, Mm -hmm. um, And that one was interesting because it had four heads and where I wanted my, not four heads, but four sears that you rotated the hotness of your release and where I wanted my hotness set was always right off the side of one of the sears. Mm. And um, so it was never fully set and it would pop off and then it would fire before it was supposed to. So I was like, I'm done with this one. I need to go find something else. And this one was just the guys at the booth were awesome. And, um, it had micro adjust, which was really important for me because I 
I always call it drops. You can do it with your site. You can do it with your release. Um, but then you have to start over and you don't know where you are necessarily. So having micro address is huge for me. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. That's uh that, that's a big deal too, you know, with sites or hinges or, or, uh, you know, any, any, anything, basically I've noticed there's a big difference when you have that micro adjust. Um, Cause you can't really do that with an Allen, uh, you know, or any other star key or, or star bit or Allen wrench, whatever you choose to use. Um, it's harder to do if you don't have that micro adjust. So that's, that's awesome. Um, well, cool. So I, I did want to ask you too, a little bit about the outdoors. And you've, you've okay. mentioned that, um, you know, you go hunting with your dad. Uh, what are some other things that you do in the outdoors that you enjoy? I mean, obviously you're shooting bows constantly and you do a lot of outdoor shooting, but other than archery, what are some things that you enjoy to do? So winter is skiing. Um, I didn't get up as much as I wanted this year. Summer is paddleboarding. And those are kind of like my three big things. If I had a horse, I'd be riding that all the time, but you know, you can only pick so many expensive hobbies. Um, <laughs> I live in a really super pretty area on an island. So we have lots of um, city trails that we can walk. And so I like to take my dogs on lots of hikes. And um, I I have a bow fishing bow now. I've gone a couple times. I'd really like to get into that more, but I have to go over to the east side to get a lot more of the activity. Um, so I just haven't been able to make those trips yet. But yeah, I, I really, my friends are always like, man, you're always doing something. I'm like, I, yeah, I, I need to always be doing something. No, I hear that too. It's funny. Cause I, you know, I sit back and, um, it's, that's one of the main reasons why I started Redbeard outdoors was just because I'd go into the office setting and, you know, I'd have the random day off during the week if I worked the Saturday shift and, you know, I'd tell people what we did on our day off and I'm, yeah, at the time I had a little toddler and a baby and they're like, you hiked how many miles with them? I'm like, Oh, it's a mile and a half, two miles. Like, it's not a big deal. They're like, you did that on your day off. And I'm like, yeah, what do you do on your day off? And they're like grocery shopping and Netflix. I'm like, that's so boring, you know? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, kids don't have to be a burden, you know, and, and, and it doesn't have to be difficult to get outside. That's so cool that you're in a spot where you can just go and, and hike you know, walk the trails, uh, you can go paddle boarding, uh, bow fishing sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to do that sometime. And, um, you know, and skiing, you know, snow sports, I kind of steer away from, because at one point I was going to be a physical therapist and I worked in quite a few physical therapy clinics and snow sports were the number one reason why people were in there, uh, by far other than obviously age and surgery, but, um, like just snow sports just kind of steered me away and not being from Utah, in the West. Um, I didn't really do a lot other than regular sledding and, you know, snowball fights. So, uh, what do you enjoy about, you said skiing, right. Or snowboarding skiing. skiing. Well, so okay. I actually lucked out and I started, I started on my dad's back. Actually, mm. he would take me skiing, um, which I don't know how safe that is, but we did it. <laughs> Um, and then for fifth graders, that's when I really started going, they actually do a fifth grade skis for free. So I got a free pass that year. So we went all the time. And then my sixth grade year, my dad signed up as a chaperone for the ski bus. So we got to get seasons passes my sixth grade year, all the way through high school. And so we were up there at least eight times a year. Plus that was just on the bus, whatever trips we could get out of it. So I just grew up skiing and loving it. And, um, I'm not, a per I don't, I don't like adrenaline, which is funny because like, mm -hmm. I can, 
a deer comes out, an elk comes out, my dad's sitting next to me and he's shaking and I'm just like, Oh, this is cool. And you know, he'll get the adrenaline rush and I won't, but, um, you know, people are going to be racing down past me on the ski hill. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to sit here and do my turns and I'm going to be, I'm just going to enjoy it. So I'm just out there to enjoy it. I think that's why I like paddleboarding too. That's awesome. Yeah. And paddleboarding, you definitely don't go fast on paddleboards. Uh, you, you'll end up in the water. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we tried to go surfing in Hawaii one time on paddleboards and I was like, no, this is too heavy. Give me a surfboard. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so they're hard cool. to maneuver. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. And paddleboarding's fun. Uh, I just barely did it for the first time this last year and, uh, <laughs> we were out on a lake in North Carolina. And so, you know, I'm, I'm out there with the kids and I get them on there first. And then, um, I'm on the dock, uh, just waiting and, and hanging out with the littles and making sure they're not drowning. Right. They've all got life jackets on, <laughs> but just making sure they're not doing dumb stuff and getting under the tubes and getting caught and stuff like that. And so then all of a sudden I I'm like, okay, Asher, and he's just on a paddleboard. And at the time he was six and he's just like float. Cause he weighs nothing. Right. So he's like skimming across the water and he's like, just zigzagging in and out and doing all this. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> and he like starts to go out in the middle of the lake. I'm like, Oh, hold on. You can't go that far by yourself. <laughs> but yeah, paddleboarding is definitely a lot of fun and it's, it's relaxing. You can sit on it. You can stand on it. You can kneel on it. You know, there's so many different options. Um, I think that's really cool. So what's, What's one of the best, uh, if you had to pick one, I guess one, one adventure, one experience that you've been on in the last, I don't know, two, three years, uh, what would be, what, what would be the story you'd like to tell about that? So if we're going most memorable, I'm, I'm going to go back down to Colorado. Um, and it's, it was a good and a bad experience. So there were no actual elk involved, but it was something that was very eye-opening for me and definitely a learning experience for me. Um, in Colorado, you're in some pretty steep terrain. You're at high altitude. So we were probably nine or 10,000 feet hiking up um, to the top of this mountain, tr- checking out a new area. And I'm definitely not as in shape as I should have been. This was two years ago. Um, and, you know, my, my dad, all of his guides call him the goat, the mountain goat. Cause he just, he goes, he's up, he's, mm-hmm. he's gone. And so, you know, being the daughter, I've just always been, okay, I got to keep up with my dad. And so I'm just out there pushing. He's like, you good. And I'm like, yep, keep going. That's not good. Yeah. When you're dying and you're out of oxygen and, you know, he'd been down there for two months before me, whereas I had just gotten there from sea level. I live on an Island. <laughs> I breathe at sea level. And being at 10,000 feet, that is way different. And your lungs take some time to adjust. Um, So at that point, I'm already just like out of my element, not having a good time. My legs are hurting and we are going through all of this blowdowns. And that makes it twice as hard because you're climbing over stuff. You're trying to go under stuff. You're breaking your legs. And he's like, okay, we get out to this clearing. We see zero signs. So it was like, well, we see it kind of a wasted trip. Wish we'd known that beforehand, whatever. Okay. Do we want to go back through that? And I was like, heck to the no. And he's like, well, okay, we can go up. So we'll walk another thousand feet up, but this time it's through a clearing. We'll go across the, above the tree line and then go straight down rather than trying to cut, uh, cut through a couple miles of blowdowns. And I was like, oof. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and so we get to this bottom of this rock slide and it's just straight shale and 
he starts, he, I can see him. He's already pretty much to the top and I'm two thirds of the way up and I'm just slipping and I'm bear crawling up this shale because it's so steep and I just can't keep my feet under me. And my gun's slipping off my shoulder, my backpack's on my boot. I'm just at that point, I, I had a panic attack and I'm on the side of this hill. I'm hyperventilating. I'm crying. My dad's at the top, then his back's to me. So he doesn't see what's going on. And so I'm able to pull myself up to this one flat spot. And basically I sit down and I can't breathe. And I had never had a full-blown panic attack before. Um, they're not fun when you can't actually get any oxygen from the air. So I'm sitting there and he comes down and he's like, just breathe, just breathe. And he slid all the way down to me once he actually saw what was happening. Um, so when someone is hyperventilating though and having a panic attack, telling them to breathe is not <laughs> the right answer because that's what they're trying. trying to do. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but then what he did was really good. And he said, okay, um, can you wiggle your toes? Can you wiggle your fingers? And he started to transfer what I was focusing on. And I know this is probably not the story you thought you were going to get, but it was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Um, and we just sat there for probably 10 minutes until I could catch my breath and I could calm myself down. And he's like, okay, like you good to go. I'm like, yeah, we got to finish this. But what I learned about myself then is I don't have to keep up with my dad. Um, we've learned that I need to walk in front of him. So he goes my pace rather than the other way around and listen to your body when your body needs breaks, absolutely sit there and take one. Um, that's actually a good thing. You know, if you're out in the woods and you're trying to spot and stalk and look for animals, sit there and look that that's what you're out there doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's okay to have reactions and emotions in the woods. That's why we all enjoy being outdoors. Um, so just, you know, ground yourself too, while you're out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's not an easy story to, to share. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely memorable though. I, I would definitely yeah. agree with that. And, uh, you know, being out and, and realizing that maybe you weren't in, I mean, you probably thought you were in good enough shape to go out there, uh, and, and going from zero or maybe a couple hundred feet above sea level oh, to nine to 10,000. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> You're like, if there's a flood, I'm, I'm drowning. No. <laughs> uh, it, we have tsunami signs around the Island and we don't actually know where they go because they just keep going and there's no, yeah. So we're, we're all just goners. If there's a tsunami. <laughs> break out the paddleboard. <laughs> Ride the way. Uh, no, but that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, and I would agree that, you know, it's, it's, it is a, if you're wanting to go hunting, especially out West in the mountains, um, you know, keeping your, your training in check and the fitness level that you're at, which you were saying that was two years ago. Uh, if you change things since then. Um, right now I've kind of let it lapse a little bit, but after last year, um, to go for the hunt I did last year, I don't have an elk hunt plan this year. So I let myself mm. have a little bit of slack. I was at the gym every day, 6am and I did an hour workout and I was doing hit. I was walking. Um, yeah, I busted my butt trying to get in better shape last year. See, it's a great motivator elk hunting. We need to get you an elk tag in your pocket every single year. You're right. <laughs> um, in, the, in Colorado, it's about three for the area I need to hunt. So, oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Only. Well, you know, and, and that's, that's just kind of an eye opener for, for a lot of people as well. You know, if you're coming from the East coast, um, from where I'm from or, uh, out west, maybe where you're more flat and on on sea level, uh, it's definitely a, a gut check when you get out here. 
Um, it's, it's not a joke. Even if you are a great athlete, um, you can still get that, that altitude sickness, at least for the first mm -hmm. day or two that you're up here. Um, so definitely keep that in check and fitness is, is definitely water. important and water. Yes. hundred percent. Uh, water is definitely key. Good nutrition. Don't go stock up on pizza and McDonald's before you head up in the mountains. Like, you know, get some good nutrition, some good vitamins and minerals and, and, and hydration definitely as well. Um, it's all, it's all and key. Hey, I was just going to say, don't push yourself the first couple of mm. days, give your body time to acclimate. Don't, I had a friend one time and he's like, I'm just going to go walk a couple miles around town. No, just rest and let your body acclimate and then start pushing yourself slowly. I, last year we did this, my dad got rid of the horses. The week I went down mm. last year, I was, I was one of his last clients. So I was a little upset. So what <laughs> you would take the horses in for the clients, we were walking. Um, and I, I had my Apple watch. And so I was timing our steps and how long it would take us to get in every day. And every day we would get like five, 10 minutes faster. So that was pretty cool to watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely awesome. And also you'll notice when you're back there, if you're back there for any extended period of time, like a, a week or so or more, um, your pants get a lot looser. <laughs> you have to send yep. your belt a little bit tighter uh, on your, you know, on your waist belt, on your backpack and stuff like that. It's, it's a, it's a test. It really is. But, um, I would definitely highly recommend, you know, anyone that even if you aren't, maybe you've got a, a hunt in two years or three years, whatever your plan is. Um, I always recommend, you know, people stay in at least general shape, which you understand that as well, because you're a, you're an archery coach and being an archer, like if you're putting a couple hundred arrows down range in a day, um, or just even 30 arrows in a day. Like it's crazy to see the, you think you're strong and then you go and you, you hold that bow back for just hold it back for one minute on your first arrow like that. It, it'll wear you out. And so that's a whole nother kind of training as well. And fitness that's involved there. So just that repetition. Uh, I like what you were saying about your form, how you, you know, you bring the, your, your shoulder back, you make sure your front shoulders down. There's a lot of things that you can do and, and, Obviously, Steph is a good place to go. Um, now, do you coach for uh, for adults as well or just children and teachers? They're, adults are a little bit harder to work with. They don't listen so well, but yeah, <laughs> I work with them too. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Kids are a uh, lot more malleable, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, um, I got lucky and I didn't really have any bad habits uh, coming into archery as far as archery is concerned. And so... Um, I didn't really have to break any bad habits. And, uh, I, I worked with a couple of good people that I didn't really have any official coaching. Um, but people that were able to give me some good advice to make sure I had good form before I screwed up my shoulders. Cause I want to be shooting a bow when I'm a grandpa and a great grandpa. So, and I'm going to be shooting that hundred pound bow at, at 80 years old. So <laughs> can't wait uh, to see it. Right. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be over there with my 50 pound bow though. Oh, there you go. There, that's still, that's impressive. Uh, and so, I mean, do you have anything that you want to share with the listeners? Maybe that we haven't brought up with archery fitness, the outdoors, any of that, um, that maybe you'd want to leave sure. with, with our listeners. Yeah. So probably two things like the first, you just said, have someone who knows what they're doing, watch you shoot or kind of teach you how to do things. You know, YouTube is great, but you can't watch yourself. Um, so record yourself. And I always say like people can send me videos and I'm more than happy to watch, but um, that's one of the best tools that you can learn if you don't have anyone in your area. 
Um, but I always say like, get your bow and have sh someone show you, have someone work with you um, just so that you don't start with any bad habits because it's a lot harder to get rid of them rather than start with them. And then the second one, if you're looking to get into archery, figure out your budget um, because archery can go anywhere from $200 to $2,000 really easily. And then go into a bow shop. Um, you mentioned earlier, don't go to Cabela's. Um, it really depends on the specific store. Cabela's, Best Pro, Sportsman's Warehouse, they don't have any specific training for their employees who work in the archery range. So you may have someone who knows absolutely nothing, or you may have someone who archery is life and they retired and now they work at Cabela's and they're going to be the best person ever. So it really depends on the person you get. If you have one bad experience, don't let it ruin it for you. If you hit your arm the first time and you walk away with a big purple bruise, it's okay. Wear an arm guard, figure out your grip and keep going. Don't, don't let it be the end of archery for you. And yeah. I, that's like my advice for getting started. No, definitely. Arm slaps are like the initiation. <laughs> <laughs> the first time after that then it just swells and it hurts and right. it's not fun for it. <laughs> no definitely after that is yeah the first time's a mistake after that you're just a, a sucker for punishment um but yeah <laughs> uh or maybe just like the color purple i don't know but uh, <laughs> well, but then it turns yellow and it's not as pretty yeah you're right <laughs> you're right you're right um but that that's really good advice i, I definitely agree with that and I, I know i said cabela's and uh, but you know, if you, if you're not blessed to have a really good pro shop close to you, which the reason why I, it's not even just about Cabela's per se, but just big stores. If you have a local shop close to you, go support your local shop. Like, um, Absolutely. and that's why I say that, you know, generally they're, they'll spend a little bit more time with you. They're a little bit more knowledgeable on the most part, not always like what you were saying. Um, but for the most part, and you know, again, you're supporting local companies that, are either trying to grow or they just want to give you the best product out there and, the, and they'll take some time, especially if you schedule with them ahead of time. You give them a call and say, hey, I'm brand new. I don't know what questions to ask, um, what day and time work best for you, and maybe what are some things I should research before I come in uh, so we're not starting from zero, you know, um, and that would be that I'm sure they would appreciate that, but also, you know, you, you're going to get the best quality out of it instead of going in when they're busy and trying to ask them a million questions. So, um, Absolutely. just that's really good advice. I appreciate that. Um, and you know, if people are looking to reach out to you, uh, whether it be send you a video or schedule some coaching or just follow you, where do you want them to reach out to you? So you can find me over on Instagram. It's the Archer Steph. Um, each word has a dash between it. So it's the dash Archer da, uh, dash Steph. Um, or is it dots? One or the other. Um, I'll leave but yeah. Below. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so I love in interacting and engaging with people. I love getting questions. Um, my thing is that I'm trying to help people feel more confident on any range or bow shop that they're walking out onto. So I try and I post dorky little videos, but there's meaning behind them. Um, so, you know, I, I'm just trying to give you the information that you might not know that you need to know. Yep. And you definitely entertain and educate. That's, that's key there with social yeah. media. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's good that you're, that you're comfortable doing silly little videos. I love it. Uh, and you know, you can also find her on the cold shot challenge. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I got lucky on that one. I'll say that I, I got lucky and squeaked that one out, but that's why she's on the podcast. You can message her about that and ask her why she had to be on the podcast, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you, Steph and um, you know, good luck in Utah uh, this upcoming week. And then in Reading, you're participating in Reading. Is that, 
participating in Reading, running in Utah. Cool. Awesome. So you do get to have a little bit of fun in California. Cool. Yes. Um, well, again, it's been my pleasure uh, having you on. Thank you so much Thank for taking you your time so out much. of day. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we'll be in touch. And uh, as you guys always know what I say, get out, live your life and love it. Thanks so much for tuning into this one, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. And if you're up in Steph's neck of the woods, definitely go to one of her classes. If not, reach out to her, ask some questions, whatever it may be. Um, go help her out. She loves to teach people, loves to share her passion for archery, as you can tell, with other people. And, of course, I'd love to have you over at Redbridge Fit Crew. Come join the crew. It's growing every day. A great group of individuals that love the outdoors, fitness, improving their lives. And uh, also, again, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. It's growing every day, and I really appreciate it. Leave a review and follow wherever it is that you listen. That helps a ton. It costs you nothing. And then if you follow it, it notifies you when a new podcast comes out every single week. So do that for me. Cost you nothing but a little bit of your time. And uh, go support the sponsors as well of the show that keeps this ball rolling as well. And uh, again, thanks so much for choosing this podcast when there's so many out there. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your weekend. If you're up at TAC, when you're listening to this, come shake my hand. Um, I'll be up there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, when this comes out, it'll already be Saturday. So uh, come shake my hand. Feel free to come shoot with me, and I'd love to meet you. So have an awesome rest of your weekend, and of course, get out, live your life, and love it.